Our first uh, scripture reading in the morning is a short passage of words of Jesus from Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says this, Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, there are a lot of reasons why uh, people don't work. It may be a lack of adequate skills. It may be a lack of opportunity. It may be a lack of desire. But I'm pretty sure that people won't say that they don't work because of religious reasons. Well, the people of Thessalonica had opted for unemployment. They had uh, abandoned the daily routines of life, and instead they chose to wait for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so there they were, just sitting around, waiting and praying for Jesus to come again. Well, the, the Apostle Paul, that scrappy little missionary who worked his fingers to the bone, in order to support his ministry, he, he took a rather uh, dim view to all this pious nonsense. And so he dashes off a letter to them and says, listen, you don't work, that's fine, but then you don't eat. No pain, no grain. Now, did you know that the word work appears something like 800 times in the Bible? That's more than the word heaven. That's more than the word prayer. And the problem seems to be, I think, for us that there's this huge disconnect in how God impacts our daily lives, whether we're in the office or in the hospital or on the farm or in the classroom, whatever it may be, Monday to Friday. Today, I'm wrapping up my sermon series on Extreme Makeover. We've been looking at the different rooms of our homes, and this morning, we're looking at the garage. It's the place where you work. It's the place where you create things, make things, or if you're like me, break things. Something like uh, 80% of the entire uh, year's work takes place in the church from September to Easter. So, think about it. What does God have to say about work? What does God have to say about our work? Does our garage, the place where we make things, create things, does that need an extreme makeover to look more like Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to find out, and the way we're going to do that is to look at our second scripture reading of the morning. It comes to us from 2 Thessalonians. I'll be reading from uh, chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. Again, those words are printed before you in your bulletin. They'll also be on the screen. Apostle Paul writing says this. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. And we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we work night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have that right, 
but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you for gathering us here this morning as your people to read your word, to hear it, to be changed by it, so that we might live more faithfully for you in word and in deed. To the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So I'd like you to think for just a moment, what is it that propels you out of the bed each morning, Monday to Sunday? What is it that gets you going when that alarm clock goes off and sends you out the door to teach your classes, see your patients, build your buildings, argue your cases, contact your customers, work on your computers, and even, yes, preach my sermons? Is there a joy in it for you? Or, or is the word work just a dirty four-letter word? Do you feel like Captain Ahab and your work is Moby Dick? Is work a blessing or is it a curse? You know, we have those songs like, take this job and get rid of it. Someone has described the, the perfect day off as when the sun is shining, the breeze is blowing, the birds are singing, and the lawnmower is broken. <laughs> so we hear things like that. We think, oh my gosh, well, uh, uh, work is a curse. And, and, and we remember hearing those stories in Sunday school that work is God's curse upon humanity for the sins of Adam and Eve way back in the Garden of Eden. But if we go back to Genesis, we see that's not true. Because God himself is working. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God fashioned the trees and the rivers and the streams and the mountains and all things that live and breathe. God, says, God said, let us make humankind in our image and let him have dominion over the birds of the sea and over the, fish of the, over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and over all the wild animals that crawl along the ground. And so what we discover is that God is a working person's deity. Think about it. Jesus was a blue-collar worker. In fact, his, his followers used to get up before dawn and, and drag those fishing nets through the Sea of Galilee in order to earn a living. One time, the Pharisees criticized Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus looked at them and said, look, I've got a job to do. My, my Father in heaven is working, and I am working still. In another place, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul calls us God's fellow workers. And so friends, God has given us work so that we can be more like him. And one of the more God-like things that you and I can do is just to get up in the morning and go to work. So think about this. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, 
You can say, I'm going to make this sales call in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to repair this HVAC system in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm going to sell this house in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you're a police officer, you say, I write this traffic ticket in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And very often, most likely, the person receiving the ticket is going to invoke the name of the Lord as well. We are made in the image of God, and it is through our work that we discover our identity in Him. Believe it or not, you don't have to get paid to find satisfaction with your work. We have people here at Chestnut Level who have been heavily involved in that sanctuary renovation. I mean, from the very beginning, whether it's been construction or wiring or sound and media or interior decorating design. There are people here who, uh, who, who pay the bills, who, who count the money uh, from the offering, who, who sign the checks. Boy, I'm grateful for them. I've, I've watched people come here and, and fill up their car with, with the food that has been dropped off in order to bring it to Solanco Neighborhood Ministries. I've watched folks here on Wednesdays and, and on Sundays set up chairs, take them down, sanitize and clean them so that you would have a place to sit. My friends, God has given us this stuff to do. These are callings. These are callings that these people have, and, and they don't get paid a dime for it. And on and on it goes for so many of you as well. And just so you know, we're always on the lookout for more people who want to come here and do some of the important work that needs to be done here around the church. And I'm always sure to tell them, as I will always be sure to tell you, you are doing such an amazing job that we're going to double your pay. Work is a blessing. It is. And work is also worship. It was St. Benedict who said, Ora et labora and labora et ora. Just so you know, that is not the brand name of a kind of mouthwash. It means to work is to pray, and to pray is to work. Each week, we'll do it again after, after uh, the message. We're going we're gonna to pray the Lord's Prayer. But each week when we say that, you may not realize it, but embedded within the Lord's Prayer is Jesus' comments about work. There's one phrase in the Lord's Prayer that sort of uh, encompasses all of our working life. What's the phrase? Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. So you can pray the Lord's Prayer, whether you're on your way to work or even after you arrive at work. And as you remember to ask God to give us this day our daily bread, that, that's kind of God calling you to pull out your calendar and to pray through your day of work. So that means you can pray uh, for your coworkers or the clients that you meet along the way. You can pray about the gas prices. Oh my gosh, please pray about our gas prices. <laughs> to work is to pray. And when we work, it's really all worship. Work is also a calling. And, and Kim sort of touched on that in children's time. The Bible's word for, for a call means to literally call by name, specifically, to, to summon, to, to invite. And I'm one of those who believes that God has called each of you to your place of work. Now, some of you may be thinking, now, wait a minute, John. 
I, I'm confused. Is, isn't a call something that happens to a pastor before they go to seminary, before they enter into ministry? Well, there was a time when that's what the church believed. In fact, there was an early church father, a gentleman by the name of Eusebius. He taught that it was only spiritual people, priests and nuns and monks who received the call. And so as a pastor, I live what Eusebius called the perfect life. And all the rest of you lived what he called the permitted life. Well, that sure sounds good to me. <laughs> but then the, the Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, came along. He said, no, 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 no. He said, the, 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 the farm wife in the kitchen is every bit as called as a monk in a monastery. And that's because, and this is important, our vocation it was, is what matters most to God. See, in this room, there are many occupations. Out there watching, there are many different occupations. But there's really only one vocation. At home watching and in this room, there are teachers and there are um, uh, healthcare professionals and there are office workers and there are homemakers and there are students and there are retired people. Many different occupations, but our one vocation, our one singular vocation is to love and serve Jesus Christ as a disciple every day. And so that means that the, the custodian who uh, sweeps the floors over at Slanko High School is every bit as called as the CEO who sits in the big corner office. It doesn't really matter where you sit in the organizational chart. It's not your occupation. It's your vocation that matters most to God. You know, that's what we mean when we say as Presbyterians that we're a part of the Reformed tradition. You hear, oh, we're part of the Reformed tradition. What that means is that we have a Reformed understanding of what it means to love and serve God. And that means that it doesn't just happen within the walls of the church, but it can happen anywhere. Remember the movie Chariots of Fire and Eric Little's father says, I, and you can peel a spud to the glory of God, provided you peel it to perfection. Protestant work ethic is not about cracking the whip and, and, and driving pe people to an early grave through work, but it's about honoring God with all of the daily tasks of life. And I think about the ways in which this church has kind of responded to the call of God by, by helping people. And I've been privileged to be on, on, on in two of those occasions that I can think of. One would be uh, a, a mission trip to Texas a couple of years ago when we did hurricane relief for victims of Hurricane Harvey. And then two years ago, when we went to North Carolina to do, to do home repairs for folks who had suffered from Hurricane Florence, and, and it's repairing houses, doing construction, but it's trying to restore people back to normalcy. And as we think about what we're making kind of in the garage of our homes, the one thing that we can do is we can make a difference with our work and the lives of people. And, and that what we do, and when we do it, we should do it well. We should do it the best we can. So another part of this idea of a call that God has placed upon our lives is that we should excel in our efforts. We should be excellent in honoring God with what we do. So as Christians, that means that we don't just try to squeak by on some average, mediocre, make-do kind of thing. Jesus said this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
In other words, I think what Jesus is saying is, you know, I make really good yokes. There's an ancient legend going around Palestine that, that this carpenter from Nazareth, who we know as Jesus, made the best yokes in the area. And that people would come from miles around just to buy the yokes that Jesus made. As God's people were called to excel in our work before him. As you take a look at the screen, you're going to see the Statue of Liberty. It was completed back in 1885. And it was only after the invention of the airplane and the helicopter that people began to notice the top of Lady Liberty. And what they noticed was that the artist worked meticulously on every detail of the coiffure of Lady Liberty, when back in the 19th century, he had no idea that anything but seagulls would ever see the top of the statue. And yet, he spent just as much time and devotion on the detail of the top of the statue as he did to the face and the arms and the torch of Lady Liberty that he knew people would see as they came in their boats up the harbor. Wow, what a picture that we as Christians ought to do when we do our work. Because you see, our boss sees the top of the statue. The Apostle Paul says, do everything heartily unto the Lord. And if we truly believe that, then maybe we can all get to the point in our lives when our work becomes love. The poet Cahil Gabran, I think, has described this best. And what is it to work with love? It is to weave the cloth with threads drawn from your heart, even as if your beloved were to wear that cloth. It is to build a house with affection, even as if your beloved were to dwell in that house. It is to sow seeds with tenderness and reap the harvest with joy, even as if your beloved were to eat the fruit. It is to charge all things you fashion with a breath of your own spirit. Work is love made visible. And if you cannot work with love, but only with distaste, it is better that you should leave your work and sit at the gate of the temple and take alms of those who work with joy. May all of you love your work. May you see your work as a blessing, as a calling. May it be excellent worship in honor and glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, in these moments, we ask you to refresh us for our work. We ask your blessing upon those who feel overworked, underappreciated, underpaid, and maybe who struggle with their occupations. We ask that you give to us a new heart and a new attitude, and that you would change the conditions and climate at work or just provide us with the opportunity to get a new job so that we can see work as a blessing and do worship in our work before you. We pray your blessing upon those who are without work today, and that describes a lot of people some in our church, in our community, across this country. We pray that you would open doors, that they would find the occupation that serves your vocation. 
We pray for the people here today who are those type A workaholics who are driven people. God, make them called people who feel your pleasure in their work. And Lord, give us a sense of excellence as we labor in the vineyard of the king so that if we sweep floors, we sweep the floors in a way that Beethoven made music. Whatever we do in word and deed, May we do them in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught his people to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.